On a horse borrowed from the French ambassador to the court of Queen Elizabeth of England, I rode across London Bridge on the morning of May the 20th, 1583. My heart swelled with anticipation as I reached the south bank of the Thames and turned right along the river toward Winchester House, where I would meet the royal party to embark upon our journey to the renowned University of Oxford. In front of the Palace of Winchester I saw a colourful spectacle of people thronging the grass. Half of London society appeared to have turned out to watch the pageant in the spring sunshine. Servants were making ready a grand boat, decked out with rich silk hangings and cushions tapestried in red and gold. I dismounted, and a servant came to hold the horse while I walked toward the house. Suddenly I felt a fist land between my shoulder blades, almost knocking me to the ground. Giordano Bruno, you old dog! Have they not burned you yet? I spun around to see Philip Sidney, the aristocratic soldier poet I had met in Padua six years ago as I fled through Italy. They'd have to catch me first, Philip, I said, smiling. It's Sir Philip to you, you churl. I've been knighted this year, you know. Excellent. Does that mean you'll acquire some manners? He thumped me heartily on the back again. Come, Bruno. He led me toward the river. By God, it is a fine thing to see you again. This royal visitation to Oxford would have been intolerable without your company. Have you heard of this Polish prince? I shook my head. Sidney rolled his eyes. The palatine Albert Lasky, a Polish dignitary who spends his time making a nuisance of himself around the courts of Europe. King Henri of France refuses to allow him into the country, so Her Majesty is stuck with the burden of his entertainment a while longer. Hence this pageant to get him away from court. He glanced around briefly to make sure we were not overheard. He is a singularly unbearable man. But you and I shall have a merry time in Oxford nonetheless. You will amaze the dullards there with your ideas, and I shall show you my old haunts. Although, as you know, that is not our whole purpose, he added. I waited for Sidney to elaborate. I have something for you from my future father-in-law, Sir Francis Walsingham, he whispered. He reached for the oilskin bag he carried and pulled from it a bulging leather purse. Call it an advance against payment. Sir Francis Walsingham, Queen Elizabeth's principal secretary of state, the man behind my unlikely presence on this royal visitation to Oxford. But now tell me, Bruno, you have not set your sights upon Oxford merely to debate Copernicus with a host of dull-witted academicians, Sidney continued. I knew as soon as I heard you had come to England that you must be on the scent of something important. I glanced around to be sure no one was within earshot. I have come to find a book. I believe it was brought to England. I knew it! Sidney drew me closer. And what is in this book? What would you say, Philip, if I told you the universe was infinite? I would say that you should keep your voice down. Well, this is what I believe, I said quietly. Copernicus replaced the earth with the sun as the center of the cosmos. But I go further. I say there are many suns, many centers, as many as there are stars in the sky. The universe is infinite, and why should it not be populated with other earths and other beings like ourselves? How can it be proved? I will penetrate the far reaches of the universe, beyond the spheres. And how will you do this? Will you learn to fly? His voice was skeptical. I could not blame him. By the secret knowledge contained in the lost book of the Egyptian sage Hermes Trismegistus, who first understood these mysteries. If I can trace it, 
I shall learn the secrets necessary to rise up through the spheres by the light of divine understanding and enter the divine mind. Enter the mind of God, Bruno. No. Listen, since I saw you last, I have begun to understand such things as you would not believe possible. If I can learn how to make the ascent Hermes describes, I will glimpse what lies beyond the known cosmos, the universe without end and the universal soul of which we are all a part. Sounds like dangerous sorcery to me, Philip said. And what would you prove? That there is no God? That we are all God, I said. The divinity is in all of us and in the substance of the universe. With the right knowledge, we can draw down all the powers of the cosmos. When we understand this, we can become equal to God. Sidney stared at me in disbelief. Christ's blood, Bruno. You cannot go about proclaiming yourself equal to God. We may not have the Inquisition here, but no Christian church will hear that with equanimity. You will be straight for the fire. Because the Christian church is corrupt, every faction of it, this is what I want to convey. It is only a poor shadow, a dilution of an ancient truth that existed long before Christ walked the earth. If that were understood, then true reform of religion might be possible. Sidney's face turned grave. I have heard my old tutor, Dr. D, speak in this way. But you must be careful, my friend. He collected many of these manuscripts of ancient magic during the destruction of the monastic libraries, and he is called a necromancer and worse for it. And he is a native Englishman and the Queen's own astrologer, too. Do not get yourself a reputation as a black magician. You are already suspicious as a Catholic and a foreigner. He stepped back and looked at me with curiosity. This book, then? You believe it is to be found in Oxford? When I was living in Paris, I learned that it was brought out of Florence at the end of the last century, and was taken by an English collector to one of the great libraries here, where it lies unremarked, because no one who has handled it has understood its significance. Well, then, but don't neglect Walsingham's business in Oxford. He slapped me on the back again, and for Christ's sake, don't neglect me, Bruno. I shall expect some gaiety from you while we are there. It's bad enough that I must play nursemaid to that flatulent Pole Lasky. You and I shall go roistering through the town, leaving the women of Oxford bow-legged in our wake. He winked broadly and grinned. Now I must oversee the arrangements, or we shall never be on our way. And we are to dine at the Palace of Windsor this evening, so we need to make good progress. They say there will be a storm tonight. The Queen will not be present, naturally, he said. I'm afraid the responsibility of entertaining the Palatine is ours alone, Bruno. Steal yourself and pray to that universal soul of yours for fortitude.